This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Our main Bible reading today is from the first epistle of John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Uh, My wife Christine is going to come up and read that. while she's coming up, you might like to look that up on, in your Bible or on your app. Good morning. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and him in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Saviour of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Are you all set for tomorrow? You have remembered about tomorrow, haven't you? very important day at least for some yep you know what I'm talking about I can I can see a few nods and a few a few nods this way and a few that way and a few shrugging their shoulders (laughs) well here's a little bit of a clue for you up on the screen that's right tomorrow is the 14th of February St Valentine's Day Uh, the day to send your beloved that special gift of roses or chocolates or jewellery sometimes, along with a card and a valentine, a message of love. I see a few people nudging the person next to them. (laughs) Uh, At least that's according to all the advertising. I have to admit that... I don't really do any of that and I don't expect it. Uh, So I don't really do Valentine's Day, I guess. My excuse that every day 
is a day for love. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Now, that either makes me, and I'll let you decide, that either makes me very romantic or a, a, a predictable bore. <laughs> uh, I'm glad Christine's actually gone down because I think I'd just better keep going. I'll move right along. I didn't even really know much about Valentine's Day till I looked up Wikipedia during the week. So I learned that there was a priest in Rome um, called Valentine who was martyred in 269 AD and here's the link, on the 14th of February of that year. Now how that tragic death was the origin of a celebration of romantic love well, there's all sorts of theories historically about that, but it's all still a little bit mystifying, I guess. My message today is on love, and it's just coincidental that tomorrow happens to be Valentine's Day, because despite the introduction, uh, I won't be talking about romantic, sensual, eros-type love. I'm talking about a different kind of love today. It's a different kind of love altogether. The love we are to have for one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family of God. As Pastor Lewis shared last Sunday, it's a key aspect of our 2022 vision to reconnect. Because the focus this morning is on loving one another, there are some very important things I'll be leaving out. I won't be talking about loving your enemies. You might be pleased about that. Um, I won't be talking about loving your neighbour uh, or even loving God. Jesus said, of course, to do all these things, so they are obviously all important, but loving one another is a big enough topic just on its own, and that's what we're focusing on this morning. Pastor Johnny has written a very helpful Bible study on today's topic and on the same Bible passage. Uh, he emailed it to Connect Group leaders last Sunday um, for use either in the past week or perhaps in the coming week. Uh, one of the questions in that study is about those different kinds of loving and their interconnections with each other. So if you're in a connect group, uh, you can look forward to discussing that if you haven't already done that. Let's just come now for in prayer before we open God's word. Lord, as we come to your word this morning, speak to us and help us to listen and obey. Come Holy Spirit move within and amongst us to accomplish the purposes of God. Amen. Gerald and his family piled into the minivan with considerable excitement. They were heading off to a nearby American Indian reservation to have dinner with members of that tribe and then to attend a powwow. It was planned as an educational as well as a fun experience for them all, especially for the kids. There was Gerald, the father, 
his wife Linda and their four children and Gerald's mother Grace was also with them. It was Friday afternoon the 27th of September 1991. The night exceeded all their expectations. It was a wonderful time of learning, a time of fun together as a family. They left for home about 8.30 in the evening. Ten minutes later, a drunk driver, speeding, missed a bend in the road and hit them head on. Gerald's mother was killed. Also his wife and one of his daughters. He tried to save them but their injuries were just too severe and he watched helplessly as those members of his family, much beloved, died. His youngest son was badly injured as well but managed to survive. All three surviving kids aged eight, seven and two and Gerald, as you can imagine, were terribly traumatised. It'd be hard to imagine what they went through after that. But let me tell you what happened next in Gerald's own words from a book he wrote just a couple of years after this tragic event. He says, this book, however, does not concern the accident. Instead, it focuses on the church, which at least in our case, responded immediately and heroically to our predicament. Close friends rushed to my side and stayed there, as if permanently affixed to us. Kathy Brunner, the wife of a colleague, stayed with John, who was seriously injured, for three weeks at my home while he was in traction and later in a body cast. Ron and Julie Pyle provided childcare for John after he recovered from his injuries so that I could return to work and Julie continued in that role for three years. The members of the university community in our home church worked together cooperatively to provide meals two or three times a week. In fact, some friends offered to do this for a whole year, though we chose for the sake of settling into a normal routine to decline. Thousands of people prayed uh, prayed faithfully for us, called to wish us well and sent cards and letters. Counselors offered to meet with me and the children. Students volunteered to do yard work. The outpour of support was unimaginable. We experienced the church at its best. We were enveloped by the love of the body of Christ. I often found myself asking, Gerald says in this book, What would we do? Where would we be without the church? The tragedy and the events that followed showed me what the church is capable of doing. He and the remaining members of the family received amazing love from their church. He knew, though, that that wasn't always the case with others. In particular, he became aware that there were others in the church who needed love, but whose situations were not quite as obvious or upfront. Do you know what he means? 
I think partly he's referring to when someone gets sick or goes for an operation and everyone knows and there's a lot of prayer and visitation and support but the person who's lonely, struggling at work, having marriage problems, difficulties within the family, someone who was sexually abused as a child perhaps and still battling the effects of that, the person experiencing domestic violence or mental illness. Often these sorts of needs, though very real and in their own way very traumatic, are more hidden and more secret, uh, maybe even unshareable in some cases. That in large part is why Gerald wrote this book. His, name, his full name... It's up there somewhere, I think, on the screen. Yep, yeah, his full name is there on the cover of his book, is Gerald Sitzer. He was a professor of theology at a Washington university at the time of the accident, and in fact, he's still there. The book was originally titled Loving Across the Differences, but it was later revised and republished under that title, Love One Another being the church Jesus longs for and I certainly found it helpful reading on this topic of loving one another. That instruction to love one another as you know is a hugely prominent one in scripture. There are lots of one another instructions though and we'll be looking at several of them as part of our reconnect emphasis but this call to love one another, I think, is foundational. And uh, I'm thankful I got the chance to preach this first one in the series on loving one another. It occurs 16 times in the New Testament. Some of the other one another's we'll look at it just appear once. So this is significant. And that includes five times in John's Gospel as a direct instruction from Jesus himself. And love one another is actually the only one another that is directly from Jesus. For the rest of my sermon this morning, I want to look at the why love one another and then the how. And I'll mainly be referring to 1 John 4, 7 to 21. But there are some other helpful verses that are related that I'll, I'll mention and throw in as well. Now, uh, the slide that's coming up uh, is the slide of my whole sermon. Um, I was meant to do a PowerPoint that sort of unveiled each point as we went, but um, my PowerPoint skills <laughs> um, uh, somehow or other didn't match with the technology or the, the, um, uh, the system here. So you've got the whole sermon there right up in one slide. Now, that's a disadvantage because, um, you know, there's no surprise there. You'll be able to see where I'm going and you know, each point before I even get there. But I guess the corresponding advantage is you know where I'm up to, you know when I'm ending. <laughs> so why love one another first off? Uh, because we are commanded to. And 1 John 4, 21, the, the last verse in our passage today, um, perhaps a strange place to begin with the first point to take the last verse but it is really the climax of the passage and, the, and a summary of all that John said before 
the commandment we have from him, from Jesus, is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. So it's not just about being desperate for God, is it? It's also being passionate for people. And particularly this morning, we're looking at one another within the family. Notice that word commandment. This verse is referring to what Jesus himself said. The verses we were meditating on during communion record just one of those instances where Jesus gave that commandment repeatedly to love one another and called it a commandment. You might wonder in what sense it was new when there are instructions to love in the Old Testament and even other philosophers and teachers in Jesus' day extol the virtues of love. Well, there are two common Greek words translated new. The first is neon, or neos, usually. And neos means new in time. Neos is the latest, the most recent. Earlier this year, Christine and I sold our home uh, where we'd raised our family. Uh, we'd lived there for a quarter of a century. And now we have a new one. It's not new in the sense that we are the first to live in it. It's about 11 years old, but it's new to us. So we have a Neos home and a Neos address. The other Greek, uh, the other Greek word for new is kainos. Now, kainos, usually translated new as well, but it, it means new in form or quality, different in nature, something fresh and unique. So when you go to buy your favourite cleaning product and it says on the packet or on the box, new and improved, that's kynos. Or they want you to think that it's kynos, a new, unique, better than ever brand. It is this word that Jesus uses here, kynos. His commandment was new as to the quality and nature of love. He was talking about a new kind of love. The love he was commanding had a new measure. It was to be like his own love for them. The love he was commanding was compelled by a new motivation, the self-sacrificing death of Christ on the cross. It was love new and improved. This is seen in the very word that Jesus uses for love. It's the word agape. It's an unconditional love. It is sacrificial love. It is a love based not on how you make me feel, but on how I choose to treat you. It's the type of love that God has for us. And it's the type of love God calls us to have for others. Why are we to love one another? First of all, because we are commanded to, but secondly, because God and Jesus loved us first. We have received love, and we've received agape love from God and Jesus. Even when we were far away, even when we didn't deserve it. So we should love one another, because God and Jesus not only love us, God and Jesus love them too. And we are called to love them too. So a couple of verses there from our passage. Verse 7, 
Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Verse 11, Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. And verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Saying that same thing over and over, three times in that one passage, it has to be significant because God and Jesus loved us first, we are to love others. And also because it's a witness to the world. Uh, something else John wrote uh, in his gospel this time, uh, chapter 13, 34 and 35, I give you a new commandment, this is the words of Jesus, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The trouble about talking with loving one another, it can be a bit insular, can't it? It can be a bit inward-looking. But we aren't just looking at internal church stuff and internal church relationships here. I mean, these couple of verses indicate that what we are like in our relationships with one another relates to the world and to outward relationships as well. In the first century, pagans observed the Christians and said, see how much they love one another. And many were motivated to join them because of the, the uniqueness of what they were witnessing and it's the way that it should be amongst us it's a, a powerful testimony not to God or, or how great Narara Valley Baptist Church is but it's a faithful witness and testimony to God who is the one who draws us together and point number four there because they need it um, I almost left this out because it's so obvious um, particularly in today's world, particularly at this time, you know, after a couple of years of COVID and, and disconnection and isolation, how much those around us need love. It's what Gerald Sitzer became aware of through his accident and his following experiences and what motivated him to write that book. A verse from Galatians 6, uh, verse 10. So then, whenever you have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. Um, in other words, uh, especially one another. But let us do good as we have an opportunity. Let us work for the good of those around us who need it so much. You see, it's, it's one way that God dispenses God's love through us. We are, his, we are God's children. Um, I often think of it as God's hands and feet in the world today. And the last point on why love one another. Because not only the people around us need it, but... But we each need it too, don't we? We all need love from others. But it's not just a matter of receiving. We need to give out love too. And paradoxically, it's in giving out that we receive. 
That applies to lots of things, but it applies especially to love. As we give love away, it comes back to us. That's a big part of becoming complete, of becoming whole. So verse 12 in our passage, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. Um, uh, that can maybe be misinterpreted. Some of the other versions have made complete in us. It's talking about wholeness. And it comes as we love others. God's love is complete in us. Now, how to love one another, the other heading there. It's not always easy, is it? Have you heard that old saying, to live with the saints in heaven above, that will be glory. But to dwell with the saints on earth below, now that's a different story. <laughs> Have you heard that before? A lot of truth in that, isn't there? There's an old hymn that some of you who are sort of more my vintage um, will remember. Love divine, all love's excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. You know that lovely old hymn? A woman came home from choir practice early one evening and her husband was amazed because, I mean, they never finished early. There was always more practice to be done. Why are you home so soon, he said. Well, to which she answered... Uh, we had to call off choir practice early tonight. The organist and the choir director got in a terrible argument about how to sing Love Divine. So we got to go home early. <laughs> now that's not the way that it's supposed to be. I think that's pretty obvious. Now I can't give you a, a full answer to the how in the time remaining today, but... Uh, we'll, as I mentioned, we'll be exploring several different one another instructions during this term, such as serve one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, bear with one another. And I reckon, this, this is my view, um, I reckon they're all important aspects of loving one another and important aspects of relationships with one another of loving relationships and they have something else in common we can only do them when we are in community and connected with other brothers and sisters uh, more on that in weeks to come but for now just uh, three brief comments on how before i finish first of all with true love and, I mean, you can't go past 1 Corinthians 13 for a great description um, of true love. And uh, I just would recommend that for you to reflect on, maybe tomorrow on Valentine's Day. Patience, kindness, no envy, no boasting or pride, not rude, not self-seeking. Agape loves the opposite of that. Not easily angered doesn't keep score with the wrongs of others, appalled by evil and injustice, protects, trusts, hopes. I, I mean, isn't that kind of gift of love so much better than once a year flowers or roses and chocolates? True love, 1 Corinthians says, goes on and on. In fact, when Jesus and the New Testament writers say love one another, the, the literal sense of the tense there is keep on loving 
one another day by day by day. We are love in action. It's important to distinguish between love as sort of an emotion and love as an action. We're used to thinking of love as an emotion, but the biblical injunction to love one another is actually a call to action, not to emotions. Uh, In the chapter before our passage this morning, in 1 John chapter 3, uh, verses 17 and 18 say this, How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. Now, there's a challenge for this morning, isn't it? Ray Steadman has a helpful comment on this. Loving people is about the most difficult thing that some of us do. We can be patient with people and even just and charitable, but how are we supposed to conjure up in our hearts that warm, epivescent sentiment of goodwill which the New Testament calls love? Some people are so miserably unlovable. How are we supposed to stir up warm, fuzzy feelings towards such people? Jesus' answer? We don't have to. In most cases, we will probably never be able to. Ray Steadman says, The fact is, feelings are not the issue. The love Jesus commands is not a feeling. In fact, you can't command a feeling. I think he makes a good point there. What we're commanded to do is to love in action. And I think as he's pointed out there, as I'm suggesting, it's very difficult in some cases. It can be very hard. The only way we can do it, my third and final point there, is through the Holy Spirit. If you're still wondering how we might be able to love the way Jesus commanded us, to love as he has loved us, it's through the Holy Spirit. What our passage from 1 John 4 tells us is that we can't love properly on our own. Listen to those couple of verses from today's passage again. Uh, Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And verse 13. By this you will know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And John's mention of the Spirit in this context of love is very deliberate and points us to how we can love one another through through the Spirit. It's a matter of allowing God to work in us through his Spirit. And just remember that love is the first in the list of the fruits of the Spirit. I've been a pastor now for just over 40 years in several different churches. But from the beginning, from whenever I was in college, for for that whole time, I've had a dream or a a vision, if you like, of a church where there is a, a great diversity and lots of different people with different personalities and interests and perspectives and gifts, spiritual gifts, abilities, different convictions and different callings. But the dream doesn't finish there. The vision doesn't finish there. 
It's a vision of all functioning together as a body or as a family. And I guess that's, um, with, with that dream, with that vision, that's um, what I've tried to bring to churches that I have pastored. But when you think about it, it's really only possible, the fulfilment of that vision, as we love one another. Diversity strengthens the church only if mutual love first unites it. Without such love, diversity can destroy the church. But with love as well as diversity, well, I mean, what a marvellous picture. What a beautiful picture. And, and it's beautiful because that's the biblical picture that we're presented with, but it's also the one that Jesus died to bring to fulfilment. I want to belong to a church like that, where people love one another and where they love across their differences. Is that the kind of church you want to belong to? But it starts with us, it starts with me, it starts with you. Or more correctly, I suppose, it starts through the work of God's Spirit in us, in you and in me. May it be so. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.